just start, um, you know, take the leap. I, I've done it myself multiple times. So I've taken the leap and fail fast. Make sure that you're just trying. And I, I think from a, my personal experience, all I have always tried to do is at least give it a go. You know, ju- don't think, don't just die wondering. Welcome to the Sisterhood Club podcast, where we talk all things business, Web3 and NFTs. We're on a mission to educate, elevate, and empower women into the world of Web3. So join us on this journey as we learn together from leading experts. And remember, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. So please do your own research and enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood Club podcast with myself, Georgie Hubbard. And me, Pam Colville. And today we are... We're always excited, but we are particularly excited today because uh, we've already had an incredible conversation with this amazing woman outside of this podcast. We have very similar passions and interests. So today we're joined by Vicky Sterling, the CEO of Startup Vic. Vicky, incredible to have you here today on the podcast. I would love to know a little bit about yourself, your journey to where you are today. So over to you, Vicky. Amazing to have you here today. Thank you so much. Great to be on the Sisterhood Club. It's lovely to be one of the sisters this evening. Um, So um, what is my journey? Wow. Well, um, I I, I always go back to, um, you know, really how I got my passion for product. Um, and that was when I spent a number of years in at Nike, at the European headquarters in Amsterdam. I worked there for eight years um, and really learned a lot about product and, um, yeah, and how it works for, our, you know, how important it is for our customer, how important it is for the community. Um, and just from there, I just really just fell in love with building products. Um, and that was from a physical product sense and also from a digital product sense. So um, later in my career, I went to work for a startup called Redbubble. Um, and um, yeah, we really, you know, it was really gritty and we were really just doing everything to just try and get things happening. Um, and we saw that business go from um, really early stage startup all the way through IPO. And that was a really great experience for me. And um, yeah, that gave me my startup bug. Um, and then I did a bit of freelance work for a number of years for startups, just helping them on product strategy. Um, and then I started here as the CEO of Startup Vic about 12 months ago. And here I am. Wow. Wow. That that is amazing. And just when you say Nike, I love yeah. how you say that. I call it Nike. Oh. <laughs> doesn't sound quite as nice in Scottish, does it? But um what what a what a brand, um, and what an innovative company to mm. have had exposure to. So can can I just like hop on there for a moment? Because I think when you actually work get get exposure to working from for a brand like that, it's not an experience that everyone actually gets to have. So could could you just like touch on like what were your sort of key learns in terms of like your career when you worked at Nike and you know the, the innovation and the creativity that you must have been exposed to in there must have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, what what were the key learns sort of working for a brand like that? Oh gosh. Um. Well, first of all, um. 
you know, we, we always had our maxims and the, and the a maxim that I always loved was innovate or die. Um, and it's something that I still live by today. I think it's one of the most important maxims to think, to think of. And, you know, to just think about that every, every single day, you know, what are we doing that's new, that's fresh, that's interesting, that's going to excite the customer. That's a really powerful thing to have in your, you know, when you're thinking every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, something else that I learned about was um, the matrix structure, the, the lack of hierarchy. Um, and I really, it, it took me, you know, in, in Nike, I was a product manager. You know, I had a, a team of a couple of people and, um, you know, the, but we were all just working on these ideas together. There was never any, um, you never really felt like there were bosses as such. It was always just one team trying to achieve one goal actually lots of goals um, and trying to get a lot of stuff done together. And I just loved that. I loved how different that was to the structure I'd, I'd learned about in, um, you know, my very first job outside of university, which was very hierarchical and old school and English. Um, and then moving to um, Nike was just a totally different experience and really gave me this understanding that actually leadership doesn't have to be about hierarchy. Leadership doesn't have to be about top down. Leadership's about how we enable a team and how we engage a team to get really amazing stuff done every single day. Um, And it was certainly a a play hard work hard mentality, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, you've just touched on something really important there as well, because I think this is why so many people are drawn to the startup scene, that whole like innovation moving quickly. I think the bigger the company sometimes and the more people at the top, that can really slow down the innovation. And that's probably why Nike is what it is, because I've also just, you know, seen being Web3, Nike have also just entered Web3 and they're they're going to do some amazing things in that space. But Nike are just constantly innovating. They're constantly like looking ahead. I'd love to sort of tie it back now to um, obviously, you know, startups and what sort of really got you passionate and interested in that sort of space. I mean, I'm imagining you you mentioned innovation there. You mentioned like that sort of fast paced leadership, but what really kind of got you into that world and excited about that? Yeah, I think it, it does feel when you join a startup, it always feels every day, it feels like it's your business and you, you're so invested in making it a success you know that's what a great culture in a startup really does it it makes you believe that the success and failure of this company is your success and failure it's your company and I I just think that that you don't get that when you're working in a corporate environment. You don't get the, um, you know, yes, you have to, you have to work long days and late nights um, when you work in a corporate environment, but it's, it, it, it's different when you're working in a startup because it feels like yours. It feels personal. Um, and, you know, great leaders, great founders um, really en- engage the entire team on their own journey, on their personal mission. And if you feel passionate about that personal mission yourself, then it's yours uh, and, and you can own it and, and run with it. And I think that's what I love about being in part of a startup is that, um, yeah, you can really engage with the vision of the founder and go on that journey with them through the highs and lows and all the pains. It's just amazing. <gasps> Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. And I think um, in terms of like that whole the startup land, like I know like you personally, you say when you're in a startup, it takes a village. Yes. And I love that sentiment, you know, I sort of um, adhere it to raising children as well. And it's like, yes. you know, I've got my business babies and I've got my actual babies, right? But in yes. both sense of the world, it absolutely does take a village. And I'm absolutely, you know, so... Um, so grateful to have Georgie and Kyle by my side as we've, mm. as we've scaled to sort of grown our businesses over the years. In mm. terms of that kind of concept of what do you feel are the sort of key recipes um, for, you know, for, for launching a startup, you know, in terms of what do you see, what do you think are the key pillars yeah. Um, yeah. of those, you know, what, what sort of village do you need to sort of begin Yeah, it's a really good question, actually. I think the, you know, the, the need to have amazing supporters, um, you know, and a community that really understands you and really gets you is vital. So, um, you know, it's obviously, you know, you, you need to have um, cash around you. So having the right investors is really important and having um, the right team, an early team. So the right co-founder is really important. Mm. Um, especially if you're a non-technical founder, having a, a, the right co-founder is really important. Um, but having a community outside of work um, is really vital because what you find when you start to become a founder is all of your peers, all of the people you went to university with, all of your your you know your family members, your partner, um, you know, they all got you when you were working in in the world of work, right? Everyone everyone's pains are the same. You you're all going through the same things, and you're like, yeah, my boss is a pain, or um, you know, really you know, just really struggling with a colleague. All of those things we all can appreciate. And we can all relate to but when you're a founder all of a sudden it becomes very lonely um because the the advice you need is very very different the the support you know nobody else is going out raising a million dollars no one else is going out writing pitch decks to um to investors and having to sit in front of investors to um to get a bit of money um it's you know it's a very lonely journey so having a community around you that have been there and gone through those processes before you is super vital and that's where mm. startup it really comes into into its fruition is that, that need for that excuse me I have a dog. <laughs> they obviously agree with everything you're saying, Vicky. So, uh, you know, they're, they're your biggest fans. Very enthusiastic about this conversation. I just love it. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But listen, I completely agree with everything you just said there. I think the importance of one co-founder, I would not be where I am today without Pam. And I know she feels exactly the same way. We pull each other up when we need it. We keep each other in check. You know, we're constantly having these conversations. And then, th- then you're right like thinking about the community around you and that's something Mm -hmm. that we're sisterhood club now we're really trying to foster and build that importance of community that importance of you know just having just being able to be vulnerable like the the amount of conversations we've had recently with business owners with project founders with people in leadership roles that you know they're saying things to us that you just go oh my god thank you for being so honest and vulnerable and open because this isn't the sort of conversations that happen in business very often we all just see the pinnacle of the iceberg which I talk about a lot was like the success but we don't see what goes on below that we don't see the loneliness we don't see the sacrifices the the things that you have to miss out on in order to build a business right yeah, so exactly. can we talk a little bit about that Vicky because I think 
so many people love the idea of having a business. So many people love the idea mm-hmm. of having, you know, starting something. But mm-hmm. what what does a typical day look like in in the life of a founder? Like, what are the, some of the things like that you see? Where do people yeah. like fall down? And what advice would you have for somebody that is thinking yeah. about starting something? Um, I, th- I think um, a lot of the time, honestly, it is because people think that they can do it alone. Um, and, and so that's a, a big stumbling block um, that I see often. Um, and I don't know why people believe that it's, you know, I, I, um, I think sometimes it's about ownership. You know, this is my baby. Um, I, it's like it is like giving up your baby, you know, um, if you start to think about having to hand over half of that to a co-founder or or to um, an investment group, that it becomes um, a, a a challenge because you've built this thing and then all of a sudden someone's going to take half of it away from you. Um, and But you can't think of it like that. You have to think of it like a family, um, uh, you know, and, and again, like, you know, it's it's the two parents trying to help raise this child, um, not you on your own. And um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is this, this um, desire to try and go it all by yourself. Please don't. Please reach out. Please get advisors. Please get supporters. Please get, if you can get a co-founder, get a co-founder. Um, Um, Because that's just going to have that other person to take the strain away from you. I think another big mistake people make is they they say, oh, yes, I'm going to get a co-founder and I'm going to um, select this person and because they're just like me. And that's the worst thing you can do is get a co-founder who has exactly the same skills as you. The whole, you know, the whole premise of a co-founder is that they're filling the gaps of the skills that you don't have. So if you're, um, you know, a product expert or a marketing expert, then please go for somebody who's way more technical, um, can support the technical side of things. Or if you're, um, you know, if, if you're the technical expert, you might need somebody who is really amazing in business and really understands how to communicate with the business a business community and, and and get those investors on your on your side so um you know there's that's a really important part of it um and then the other mistake that i think i see often is um uh, people looking for investment too early so it's really important that you get um you get your product validated um and you can get your product validated in many ways if it's a digital product it's very easy to build an mvp these days a no code mvp to get your product out there to market to get your product validated in some way and if you can get your product validated um then you need to make sure that, that that helps because that in, ensures that you've got a consumer group ready and you know you've got a group of people that actually want to buy your product so and the other thing that's really important is uh, something um that i think a lot of people just um miss or, or don't think about um as much is building that mailing list so getting those expressions of interest for your product um you know the bigger the mailing list the bigger the expressions of interest the more that validates as well that people are interested in this idea that this is something that people want so um you know building the validation spending time on that validation spending time reworking it and you know maybe you know you might build your value proposition three or four times because you realize that actually when you tried to validate that idea it turned out that actually it was something else that somebody wanted not the thing that we were going to build initially so you know there's all of these nuances that come out as you start to do the research and the insights and so really important that you get a really clear validation of what it is that you want to build um, before Mm. you build a thing and before Mm -hmm. you go and look for investment so um, make sure you've got that right Mm. 
yeah, that that's such absolutely solid advice. And you must see so many pitch decks come through. And, you know, obviously Startup Vic hosts a lot of pitch nights. And, you know, I, Pam and I have been to quite a few of them. And what always fascinates me, and I know we're going to go into this, which is kind of tying in beautifully, is when I do watch the the pitches, the difference between men and women. Um, and just the way I think men hold themselves, the way men speak. And then I, which I watch women and this is just a recent thing that happened. So this might not be all pitch nights, but this is just a couple of things that I've witnessed recently. The female comes on, she's clearly a lot more nervous, doesn't speak with as much authority in her voice. Like what if, what are you seeing in this, in the startup Vic world and, 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 and why do you think that is? I'd, I'd love to sort of go down now that path of like female entrepreneurship, females and startups, the stats around it, but let's start with the pitch nights first and yeah, foremost. This, like, is a, um, hmm. th- this is a really good point, actually. Um, I think there's something to be said for when we have all female pitches on the pitch night and when we have mix of male and female pitchers on the pitch night. Mm, Um, It's really fascinating how the women all lift each other up. And, um, you know, the first person um, is always a little bit more nervous, um, but, you know, you can see them supporting each other and lifting each other up. And, um, you know, by the time it gets to the end, it's like, yes, a party. We all did it. We all got through this together. Um, And it's a really lovely feeling. Um, when we have a blend of male and female, I definitely see that. I definitely see that there is, um, you know, a, a, a bit of trepidation, um, but also um, I, I also think the women often have got the better product um, and it's about mm. the confidence and the um, uh, uh, yeah, just, yes, it's always about confidence, you know, and I think often it's because prior to the pitch night, they've not really had the confidence to sell this idea to many people um, and they've kept it themselves. We hear more, oh gosh, more times than I care to remember, I've heard, gosh, this was the very first time I've pitched my idea to anyone and I did it in a room of 150 people. And now I've done this, I can go on and pitch this anywhere. I, all of a sudden, I have this ability to do something that I didn't realize I, realize I could do. Um, and I hear that a lot from the women. Um, I think the men have got generally a much better support group around them. Um, they have people in their network that have maybe pitched before or have, are, are executives in an organization so they can run that through with them a number of times. But Women don't seem to have that. They don't seem to have the um, those networks around them just naturally that they can share this stuff with and present openly to without fear of um, of criticism, of pushback, of pe- being told your your idea is no good. Which, let me tell you, I. I've heard it many times. I know many other women have heard it many times. Um, you know, your idea will get, never go anywhere. Um, you need to change it completely. Um, and, you know, it's because often the males that we're presenting to or talking to about our problems, they don't understand our problem because they're men and we're women and we're approaching our problem in a different way. And so because they have no empathy for the problem, they think that it's a problem no one has. Um, and, 
yeah, I think understanding who you should talk to, who you should share your pitch with and getting that voiced as many times as you can before you go up to pitch is really powerful. And just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse that pitch until you're reading it in your sleep is the other tip that I always give people. It should feel seamless. It should feel like you can stand there in front of a crowd of of in investors or um yeah or, or peers and and be able to stand up there with confidence yeah mm. I almost feel, do you feel like pitch nights actually get the best out of people right because I often think like is this just mm. like a really outdated way of mm. getting people to present like their business ideas or products like mm. is that actually the best way to do it because it's just I, I think I, I take it back to like a recruitment sense and in terms of like the way that people interview now yeah. it, it has evolved slightly in terms of like people are allowed to you know share their portfolio share pieces of their work you know maybe do like if, if it's a dev you're allowed to do a coding and say it's sort of mm. like do sort of problem solving coding tests just to like sort of more mm. showcase your skills and people are there's more of an awareness now that interviewing is like more from like a two-way process and you know yeah. questions are presented in a certain way that people feel as though they're they're able to share a story rather than being you know dictated to and I often think that pitches they're actually quite unnatural to me and I think yeah. like you know if I was to start I'm fairly assertive um female um yeah. would I I'm, I've also worked um in tech recruitment for a while so I'm used to sitting around a boardroom in like male-dominated environments but mm. that isn't environments that a lot of women have been exposed to you know throughout their mm. careers and it, it like are there have you saw any innovative ways where yeah. you know you've been sitting in like you know with VCs or you know mm. at these sort of pitch nights have you saw any sort of innovative ways of actually seems to get the best out of people have there been different ways that you've seen people presenting yeah yeah definitely um i i think what's looking i think <laughs> what i what i really like um that enables people who maybe less extrovert and more introvert in their style is for people to record their pitch while they're going through their slides and now you know it's possible now canva now have an option to be able to um uh, video yourself presenting the pitch um, and and it's visible in the top corner of your slides as you're speaking and you're, you can go through your slides and speak at the same time now those really get my attention because you know there's nothing worse than just receiving oh there is there's a lot of things worse but you know when I receive when I receive 80 pitch decks and I have to review all 80 pitch decks and give them my best assessment um, with only the slides and no narration, no 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 uh, understanding of the messages really behind the slides. It's really difficult to know um, uh, the full story, even if it's a really excellent pitch. It's often really difficult to to grasp the full story and the um, with with just a pitch deck. And so when you have somebody. Um, recording um, the, their script and, uh, and and themselves at the same time as going through their slides, it's so helpful. And it really enables me to make a better decision because I can hear, you know, I can hear the presenter, I can hear the passion, I can understand the story behind the presentation. And it's just a, a much um, more engaging way to present. So I think that still works. And I do think there is power in a pitch deck if it's the right pitch deck. Um, and it contains the right information. Um, you know, the storytelling is really powerful, understanding, um, you know, your rationale and your problem that you're trying to solve. And then 
um, hearing about the validation and the people that you've already tested this idea with and you know where you are in your stage of um, of um, traction and how much traction you already have with customers. These things are really important because they help to judge whether or not they've got validation. Um, and so I think there is important. I think that is important. I, I I do love the idea of um, you know assessing um, a person for their skills outside of pitching because those founders. Um, you know, if, if they speak to an investor, that investor might say, hey, actually, I think you're a really great human. I think your idea really probably isn't going to go anywhere, but I would love you to come and work as a co-founder for this other person I know, right? So, so there's there's other ways to get in front of investors and, and sell yourself and sell who you are as an individual. Um, and it's not always easy to do that just through your 12 slides or your five-minute pitch. Um, yeah, so I think there's something there is something in what you're saying, Pam, around um, being able to do things a little bit differently and have an alternative style, not just mm. presenting slides on a story. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you've just made some really good points there about sort of what to include in a pitch deck as well. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm just hearing, it was very much sort of focused around obviously, you know, what problem you're solving, what's you know, who's your customer, but also mm-hmm. like, have you tested the product? Like, do you have something to back it up? And I think yeah. going back to what you said earlier, and Vicky, I think that's quite a really important point because I think too many people probably do try and go for <sighs> VC money far too early before yeah. they've proven market fit. But the other thing. I always say as well and I always think this is like sometimes you just got to begin right like there's no such thing as perfect and Pam and I always say as well it's like progress over perfection like any business we've started we've not really gone right 10 years now this is the business plan this is what's going to happen because you can't really do that anymore the world is changing at such a rapid rate technology is evolving every single week you know let alone years so I think that where the world is right now in the startup scene you know, that needs to be taken into consideration. But I I would love to sort of go into a little bit more detail because when you and I first spoke, it was very much around female entrepreneurship. You know, Mm. how can we get more women into sort of, you know, funding businesses and things? So what advice, right? We've got a large female audience and there might be, I'm sure there is some women listening to this right now that maybe have an idea, but, Mm. you know, they, at the minute, you know, they're trying to juggle work, being a mom, you know, family life, like how, how can we support more women who want to go after their dreams, who want to start something like what, what should we be doing? And, and yeah, what sort of advice would you give for a female women listeners right now who wants to start something? I think, um, gosh, yes, just start, um, you know, yeah. take the leap. Um, I I've done it myself multiple times. So I've taken the leap and fail fast. Um, you know, make sure that you're just, trying and um i i think from a, my personal experience all i have always tried to do is um at least give it a go you know don't think don't just die wondering um you know you might you might have fallen upon something that really is a problem that everybody has but you've never really spoken about it to anyone and there's some really quick and easy ways that you can test that whether or not you should um give it a go or get started um you know you could do a facebook survey and just put it out to um a group that you're a part of and and ask for the facebook survey about whether the community on that facebook survey on that Facebook group is interested in your idea. Um, you could validate an idea just by, um, you know, print out flyers and hand them out, 
giving we love QR codes these days, sending people to a really simple website um, through your through a QR code. Just really just get out there and start talking about your idea to as many people as possible. And once you start talking about your idea, you start to realize that other people might have that problem too. And other people think that that's a great idea. Um, but don't keep it to yourself. I think a lot of us, especially women, we're, we're a bit worried that, oh, if I, if I give this idea away, somebody else is going to take it. And that, I think that's a societal thing too. We're, we're so afraid of, um, if I tell somebody about this, somebody is going to take it on. Somebody else is going to take it on. Um, it's not, you know, that, that could happen. But then that wasn't your journey, right? I, I really believe in this as well, that, you know, we, we've got to be really transparent about our dreams and our ideas um, and, and talk about them openly. And if somebody else takes that idea and makes it amazing, good on them. You know, that wasn't your idea to have. Take, go, go for a different idea. Um, you know, we've just got to keep moving. Just keep moving through it. And eventually you will find um, you're the thing that you're meant to be doing, the thing that you're meant to be um, creating your life around. Um, I know I haven't, I haven't found my thing yet. <laughs> I love, I love my job, but I would love to have a side hustle that's successful. And I just keep flowing through and I just keep trying something new and eventually something that will come along that I'm so passionate about, so deeply passionate about that I can't stop working on it. And I'll know that that's the thing that I, I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing. Mm-hmm. There are so many ways that I could go now, and I'm just mm-hmm. I'm just dying to say this because you, you've said some really important things there. But I think the the biggest thing, and I I'd love to sort of understand this and why women do this. But what I hear sometimes is that women sometimes hold back their ideas more mm. because of the judgment that they're going to get actually mm. from their female friends. Like, who are you to start that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. I, I just feel like you clearly haven't found your tribe. And that's why we're yeah. building Sisterhood Club, right? Because the idea is we're sisters, we support each other, we champion each other, we cheer each other on, right? But there is this kind of like, oh, who do you think you are kind of attitude that I think, unfortunately, some women do experience from mm. other women, which mm. is so sad. Like, you know, we're already at a disadvantage being women as it is trying to start businesses in this very male-dominated world. Yeah. Why don't we support one another? Like, why can't mm. we get behind one another and cheer each other on? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm always open to having these conversations because it's not something that mm. I, I'm just not like that. I'm always yeah. like, if someone's got an idea, I'm like, you need to go for it. Yeah, but unfortunately, yeah. that women don't always find they don't always get they don't have that experience. So, response. what what mm-hmm. what advice would you mm-hmm. give for a woman that maybe is experiencing that right now, lack of support? Gosh, um, yeah, find new friends for sure. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I think, um, yeah. Mm. It's a it's a tough one, right? I, in Australia, we definitely have the tall poppy syndrome, yeah, um, and that's a thing. Um, you know, I'm English, um, and you know, I come here, and I and I can see it happening. I can see, um, you know, the um, oh gosh, yeah, who are you to have have taken this? And you know, how do you, why do you think that's going to be successful? Um, and there's, you know, maybe there is some envy there, but um, I I always try to look within. I don't I don't want to look at the others. Um, I try to look within and say, well, you know, that's not, that's not, that's your pain. That's, that's what you're dealing with. Um, That's not mine to carry. Um, So that's just, you know, that's my own personal philosophy in life. Um, I've come up against that 
many times. Um, and, um, you know, whether that's envy in the workplace from your leadership position, whether it's envy of a business idea, whether it's um, envy, envy of a, a lifestyle you have. Yes, that happens. But that's not for me to take on. That's for the other. Um, and, you know, um, why are women envious of other women? Um, you know, it's it, probably because they wish they could do it too. They, they wish that they'd had that idea. They wish that they had the courage and the resource and the ability to step out of their comfort zone and say, I'm just going to go for this. And I think that's, you know, that's often the reason that other women might feel that way is because they wish they had it. They wish that they had the courage to step out and do this and they don't. And, you know, and so yeah, I, I would just try and encourage people not to take it on, um, you know, try and live your own truth. That's all you can do is live for yourself and, and live for your own truth and let everybody else deal with their own shit by themselves. <laughs> yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And I think like that's just that just like so pro- powerful what you said earlier just about don't die wondering mm, you I know love that that, yeah. that just there's just so much in that that statement alone you know like mm-hmm. get out there and give things a try like and if you don't someone else will um and it's I do okay. feel that in terms of like holding back on your ideas and sitting with something like there is nothing more powerful than staying out loud mm-hmm. and share those mm-hmm. ideas like find your community find your tribe that you can actually share these ideas yeah. with and you will find like the together we can achieve so much Um, and just by like sharing ideas and getting other people's opinions if you're in in a room with the right people and you surround yourself by the right people the ideas and the juices that will come flowing off of your Mm -hmm. own original idea will just be absolutely outstanding and it could evolve into something that you couldn't even have imagined right but if you sit and you just keep your idea to yourself you know that's all it's ever going to be Mm. so it's just like there's so much power in that like that just start is 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 so is so true yeah Mm. yeah 100 you you also mentioned something earlier as well vicky you you've you've talked a lot about passion how important is it because we Mm. we talk a lot about like you know you've got to be passionate and i think yes you absolutely do Mm -hmm. for the long run right but sometimes like for example right i'm going to use pam and i as an example we have a recruitment company now recruitment I'm just going to say it, it's probably not something I'm deeply passionate about, right? But it is a, it is, it's, a it's a business, a successful business. And yeah. what it's allowed me to do is then go on and build Sisterhood Club, which I am very passionate about. How how important is it, like, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're an entrepreneur, you want to get started, you see a problem that needs to be yeah. solved, but maybe you're not wildly passionate about it. Do you think that's really important to have this deep passion for it? Or do you think you could just sort of get started with an idea? And just go for I it. Actually, I actually think that it's much easier if you have a deep passion for it. Because if you have a deep passion, time, you, you know, you, you can achieve so much in the time you have. Um, you can get into your flow and you know how time just disappears when you're in your flow and you can achieve huge amounts. And so when we're talking about the very early stages of a startup and the very early stages of an idea where you're you know, you know, figuring out how do I build a website? I don't know. I'm just going to work that out myself. I'm sure I can YouTube that somehow. Um, you know, when you're working all that stuff out, then that's the important time to have a real passion for it and to really spend the energy, put all of your energy into it. It's We all know if we all have a hard task to do, it can be a task that, you know, might only take you half an hour to complete, but you could procrastinate about doing that task for 
three weeks before you actually get round to it, right? So not having the passion for something just means that the whole process will take longer, in my experience. But having a passion, having a deep desire to achieve something and to solve a problem and to um, tr- figure out all of the all of the solutions around the problem, that's where the drive comes and that's where you get a lot done. And I think that that's really important that when you're in a startup, you need to have the passion because it's not something you can just plug away at from nine till five and then leave alone. You're going to be... You know, usually, actually, women as women as as founders, we usually still do our nine to five jobs, and then we um, feed our children, we put them to bed, and then we start working on our passion project, right? And that's why it's called a passion project because you can put the energy into it when you're totally spent and you've done your full day's work and you've looked after your children, and um, you can still find the energy for that project. And that's mm-hmm. why I think passion is super important. Mm. And I think like that is so po- uh, powerful. Like for example, with the Sisterhood Club at the moment, I I do genuinely feel I wake up and I feel so energized and just like ready to go get the day. And you know, there's there's some things that we do out with like our usual nine to five at the moment. Like for not nine to five because it's like a twenty four seven job. But for, you know, like Tuesdays and Thursdays, we're showing up at seven to nine a.m. We run Twitter Spaces on top of the podcast, and then all wow. the day to day activities that it mm-hmm. takes to run a business. But I don't feel exhausted by it no. when I get to yeah. a Friday. I'm like pumped. I'm like, right, what are we doing at the weekend? Should we get in the Discord and run a community <laughs> session? And, you know, love a good chat. Um, but in terms of um, female founders um, in the space and females that are coming to the pitch nights, in your experience, like what are the key things that actually hold a female founder back from starting mm-hmm. and from pursuing their ideas? Because I'm just sort of thinking mm-hmm. like in terms of like as a community and what what problems are we trying to solve yeah. there? Like what, what are the main things that hold people back from hitting the start button Mm. yeah um look i i think often so so the from the people i see um and you know we see a lot of of people coming through and amazing women with great ideas um but um often that idea um needs some work um and it needs to be evolved but it's sometimes really hard to hear that feedback um and what I what I'm, what disappoints me often is the when when women hear that feedback, it's not the direction that they want to take the product, and so they give up at the first hurdle, right? And and those those are the um, uh, those are uh, th- I think that's a shame because a product could become something amazing if you um, were to take on feedback and advice and insights and and maybe pivot a little bit to to doing something new, um, but. Those that are the, those that do take on that advice and, and are successful um, to a certain level in that they've maybe they get to pitch and um, and then they they've got somebody who's interested in their idea and so they start to have coffees and start to talk to potential investors. Um, the the one thing that I hear over and over again that stops them from going all in or stops them from um, progressing any further is the lack of money. Um, and, you know, we hear it all over and over again. And, you know, we just saw, you know, Deloitte's report this year, fiscal year 22, 0.7% of funding going to all female founded businesses. It's a disgrace. And that's based on $10 billion 
Okay, $10 billion in fiscal year 21. I don't know what the number was in fiscal year 22. But, you know, even if it was close to $10 billion, 0.7% of that going to female-founded business is outrageous. But we have, you know, there are amazing organizations out there that are helping female founders, SBE and Scale Investors, are, are, are two that I just think are fabulous. Um, Tractor Ventures as well with Jodie Imam really doing a great job of supporting fem- female founders. Um, but the money is not going into the female founder. And so, you know, they can be emailing out to 100 investors after they've done their pitch deck. And, you know, we've given them the feedback and they've got a great pitch and they've got a great product. So they start emailing investors and saying, I've got a product, I'd love to talk to you. No feedback, no feedback, no feedback over and over again. And it's disheartening. And, you know, you can only receive so many negative feedbacks or, or zero feedbacks. It's like recruiting, you know, it's like applying for jobs. You know, when, when you, the more you apply and the more you get kicked back, you start to, you start to doubt yourself. You just start to doubt your abilities. And so you start to apply for lower level roles. And, um, and the same with, you know, they start to pull back on their pitch decks and say, maybe it wasn't such a great idea after all. Maybe I don't have anything. And that negativity just festers within them. And what I really am passionate about is making sure that they have a place to go, where they have somewhere to come, where they're going to be heard, where their pitch is going to be seen, where they're going to be encouraged to keep applying, where they can put their hat in a ring again and again and again and not feel like it's a wasted effort. Um, I think that's what we really need to do for women and to help them on their journey is just be there encouraging them, telling them how amazing they are, telling them what a great idea they are and telling them not to stop. Just don't stop trying um, because it will come. Um, Sometimes it just takes longer than um, we expect. Mm-hmm. and unfortunately yeah. oh, no. <laughs> like, um, I know we've both got lo- 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 yeah, loads of things yeah. that we want to say yeah. here so I'll just say like buy, buy one piece and then I'm going to pass the battle on no, straight no, to you, you go, right you but <laughs> I, I do honestly Vicky it's it, in terms of it, rejection mm. for some reason mm. for a female hits yes. hard yeah hard and really I see hard. it like people because we, we've obviously got a recruitment business we see people you you cannot just reach out and do business development and get a no and go oh my god but it's almost like yeah. the rejection t- then sort of festers mm-hmm. the more yeah. no's that come it festers and it turns yeah. into like embarrassment yeah. it hits the self-esteem and yeah. it just goes in off in this spiral, which is yeah. why I feel it all comes back to the core fundamentals of really working on yourself, knowing mm-hmm. who you are, believing in yourself. That self-belief is, is such an important fundamental yeah. skill to develop and work on in yourself. And that's why Georgie and I are both incredibly passionate about personal growth, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you have got to be almost rock solid, because if you are going to be a founder, if you want to mm-hmm. start your own business, you need to be able to get knocked down time and time and time again and get back up fighting and self-belief is just such a fundamental skill to skill to develop um and that's obviously why we're so passionate about you know having some of the courses that are in the the sisterhood club and the sisterhood school but you you're going to get battle scars and it's the the power of community as well as that do not feel alone we mm. all experience it. We've all had the nose. But Georgie and I have this thing. We see we do not see no. We flip it. We say we see game on, mm. right? And if someone gives you a no, it's either just it's not a no, it's 
and not right not right now mm-hmm. or you're speaking to the wrong person yeah. and I think if you just get really good at like either brushing it off if you think that that's not the right person for you or mm-hmm. like that brilliant you've just told yeah. me no why mm-hmm. give me the why give me the give me the negative feedback that you see pick holes in my pitch tell me about mm-hmm. that why is it mm-hmm. a no go work on it and come yeah. come out shining again you know so it's yeah. like seeing the opportunity and everything know I think is just absolutely so powerful so thank you so much for sharing those little nuggets there that was that was brilliant yeah I, I just feel like Pam just absolutely ran with that and I completely agree with everything you just said and and Vicky it's like these, these are the sorts of stats that get Pam and I absolutely fired up mm. right and but mm. yeah you're so right I think it, it is that self-worth that self-belief knowing that you're enough not tying your sense of worth into your business and your product and your idea right it's like being whole as a person but yeah. th- but those little chips those little rejections those little no can chip away at you unless yeah. you are so frigging strong which is why mindset is just oh my god I could talk about it to the cows come home but but you yeah. have your mindset, your determination, your tenacity, your belief in yourself has got to be so strong. And that's why, again, you do need your supporters. You do need the people around yeah. you. So on those days, which we all have, where you're like, oh, I don't think I can send another email today. I can't do it. You just need someone to go. Yes, you bloody well can. And you yeah. will. You need your why plastered across the wall. So you remember why you're doing it. Yeah. It's on those days that I think community and people around you matter so much. And that's why I love yeah. what Startup Vic do, because you are just, you're in the space, you're on the ground, you're helping women, mm-hmm. you're just building this incredible brand and mm-hmm. company that is out there to help people who need it, who need it. So I love the no Vicky, like since you've joined Startup Vic, you've only been there for 12 months. Like what impact do you want to have at Startup Vic? Like what are you sort of working on right now and how do you sort of see your, yeah. your role evolve? Yeah, um, thank you. I, I, I'm so passionate about um, how Startup Vic is evolving. I, you know, I've, yeah, like you say, less than twelve months, but we've already done a great deal. But what I, what I'm passionate about seeing is um, enabling um, us to connect these small community groups all over every industry of a startup, whether you are a startup of a, of a non-technical product, whether you're a startup of a SaaS company, whoever you are, um, I want to be able to connect you to an amazing person who's already been there and done that um, and a group of people that are just starting out. And that's really, really powerful if we do that on a very micro basis so thinking about all the new product ideas that are coming out all the new technologies that are coming out whatever you're in whether you're into robotics whether you're into machine learning whether you're into ag tech or whether you're into fashion design whatever your startup is in we should have a microcosm community of people start headed by an amazing founder that can support those incredible idea people because that's how these next big businesses are going to come out by those little tiny groups of people really supporting each other um and you know we see it happening all the time at startup vic when you know i can just email somebody who you know yesterday for example i um had a chat with a a girl who has an idea about um a product in banking and i was able to connect her to somebody who works in that industry who has already created an amazing business who um was would be able to support them and i love being able to do that but 
I can't do that for every single person with an idea in Australia. So the idea of Startup Vic is that we can create that at scale. So we can create a product that enables that to happen. So a founder can put in all of their details and say, hey, this is who I am. This is the kind of industry I work in. This is the kind of support I'm looking for. And an investor or advisor or a founder who has been there before them can um, do the same and they can match up. So it's like a kind of speed dating, if you like, for founders um, that enables people to connect and talk to each other um, about their problems and help solve problems for them. So I really see that being a really powerful thing for us going forward. Oh, absolutely. Just connecting that Startup Vic network and bringing mm. founders together, oh, meeting people. That's so powerful. solving yeah. such a big problem there. And that's a yeah. whole networking thing. But Vicky, honestly, I could sit and just chat away to you all day. I feel like we could have some really deep conversations, but I want to respect your time. So where can we send people to find out more about yourself, Startup Vic, all of the incredible events that you're doing? Where can yes. we send people? Yes, come to our website, www.startupvictoria.com.au and check us out. Um, You can find events of ours on Eventbrite. Uh, We usually have a pitch night every month on the last Tuesday of every month. It's always a good hoot. Uh, It's a lot of fun, a lot of great people in the audience. Uh, There's always a vibe going on. Um, And if if you just want to become a member of Startup Victoria, you can do that really easily. It's as little as $10 a month or $100 a year. Um, and yeah, it's a really great community for you to, to be a part of. So yeah, come and join us. The more, the merrier, the more women, the merrier. That's <laughs> yes. more women, the merrier. That we'll make right. sure we put all of the links in the show notes below, but Vicky, thank you so much for being on today. You've been an amazing guest and I'm sure that our audience will get a lot from this podcast and to everyone who's listened today, I hope that you've enjoyed and we'll see you again soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, please give a little share on your social and if you have time please leave a review and I hope to see you next time take care